0: Welcome to Mammograms and Me from metro.co.uk. This is a new podcast series all about my campaign to find the million missing mammograms and the thousands of women walking around with undiagnosed breast cancer. Hosted by me, Dawn Butler... I was first elected in 2005 as the MP for Brent and I launched the hashtag FindTheMillion campaign with metro.co.uk in 2022 because after my own diagnosis, I was shocked to find out that there was between 8,000 and 10,000 women walking around with breast cancer and they just didn't know it. Each week, I'll be speaking to experts doctors and people with a deep understanding of breast cancer and some people who are still on their journey. I'll be discussing their experiences, the inside story and what we can all look out for. Today I've got the amazing Isola Vlet who runs Beyond Cancer and you started that organisation because you were diagnosed in 2010. 20 10, yes. So Isola, thank you for coming in. You're welcome. Tell me about your journey. Do you think about, I mean, 2010 was 13 years ago. You built up a cancer organisation. So that means you're never going to forget your journey, right?
1: No, no.
0: And did you realise that when you started Beyond Cancer?
1: No, no, it's not anything that I thought about. But by you just saying that is making me think about that that my journey will always be there Mm. and it will always remind me. Sometimes um, it's more touching than others, Mm. depending on who we've met, Mm. who's had cancer or gone on a cancer journey, who is no longer with us. Um, But being part of Beyond Cancer, you'll always remember people that have gone, people that have survived cancer and still here today, Mm. like myself. So the reason, one of the reasons why we set up Beyond Cancer was because when I got diagnosed in 2010, I didn't know anybody who had cancer and the literature didn't say anything about having pain. It was always a lump or Mm -hmm. leakage and I didn't have any of that, but I went to the, I had a sharp pain. It was really sharp and it took my breath away. And I was like, oh, for a second, and I had to pause. And that happened a few times. So when I was in bed and I got that pain, you know, it made me think, right, I need to go to the doctor and just find out, you know, what the pain's all about. On the back of that, I just thought that they, they would, they'd be thinking that there's nothing wrong with me. Mm. It's just a pain. And that's what I thought, it's just a pain. So I'll go and see what happens. And um, So then I got referred to um, the hospital, our local hospital, um, and when I went there first, we had a conversation with the consultant and everything else, and um, he said that they're going to do a mammogram, an ultrasound, okay. and a biopsy. But they were going to do that all on the same? No, it was a process they told okay. me when I went to see the consultant. He yeah. said, this is what's going to happen. This, And so he told me what was going to happen, so I was aware of what I was going into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still didn't, breast cancer never even... Entered my head. Mm. I just thought it was a pain that'd go away. I'll just give me some medication and I'll be sorted. That's
0: the mindset mm. that I went in because it was a pain. Because everything that you read said you can feel a lump or, yeah. Yeah. or as you say, nipple leakage. Yeah. So I suppose because that message is so strong, mm. if you've got something that's different from yeah. that, you yeah. wouldn't think right. I've got breast cancer. Yeah. You just think, oh, I've got a pain. Yeah.
1: Mm. Anyway, so the process started. Um, so I had a biopsy. And then um, the person doing the biopsy asked me, why didn't I come sooner? Which at that point, it didn't make any sense to me.
0: Mm.
1: Why didn't I come sooner? I've come now, you know.
0: So Um, the person actually doing the the biopsy told you off, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why didn't you come sooner?
1: Yeah, and I was like, sooner for what? Uh, You know, I had Mm. a pain and that was it. Anyway, so I had that and then I had the biopsy and a mammogram. Now, um, at the time that I had the mammogram, and uh, breasts that had the cancer, mm. when they squeezed that machine down, I almost hit the ceiling. It was just so painful that a tear ran down my cheek. Wow. And she was saying, I won't be long, I won't be long. And I knew they had to do it, mm. you know. Um, I wasn't resisting or anything. It was just that it was so painful. So it was in your
0: left breast? Yes. The cancer. So when they did the mammogram in your right breast, uh, it was uncomfortable. I call it squashing. Yeah. So it was uncomfortable but not painful. Yes. And in the, left, in the left breast, it was painful. Absolutely. Same with me. So when I had it done and I had the mammogram done, uh, the left breast was painful. And I thought, God, this is painful. And almost sort of put it out of my mind until I got the phone call from the woman uh, from the breast cancer uh, department. And I immediately said to her, and, I, and I put this in my book, I said, is it the left breast? And she wasn't allowed to say anything, obviously, over the phone. And I didn't even know where that came from.
2: Mm. But
0: obviously it was because I recall the left breast being painful. Yeah. Very, very painful. Yeah. But like
1: I said, and you know, you just go yeah. through it, don't you?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so then they said they had to, um, I had to come in because they needed to check if it had spread to my lymph nodes. Right. So I went into hospital and they had that operation. And they were saying, fortunately, it hasn't
0: spread right. to my lymph nodes. So that's a plus. Did they tell you how many lymph nodes they took out? So, Because it's it quite interesting, isn't it? I thought, oh, you just take out the lymph nodes. Mm. And when my mum had breast cancer, they took all of her lymph nodes out. And that's what they used to do back then. Yeah. But for me, they just took out a few wow. just to check.
1: Yeah, they took yeah. a few for they me to check. Me, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was ready to go back to work. I thought, yeah, really? I'll go back to work.
0: Well, after the before, after the lymph nodes? Yeah, no,
1: before I, before I got to the lymph, yeah, after the lymph nodes, yes. Right. After the operation, I thought, oh, I'll bounce back and go back to work. Well, yeah. was I wrong? Mm. <laughs> I didn't make it back to work. And then I think it was the first time. Why year. were
0: you focused on going back to work?
1: I don't know. I think that um, I, d- I enjoyed my work. I worked with young offenders and I enjoyed working with them and, and I enjoyed my job. So that's where my mindset mm. was at the time. Mm.
0: You know, I enjoyed my you. job. No. No. Not on your pain or your body? No, or... no.
1: Mm. no. Um, anyway, so I didn't go back to work. And then um, when I went into work, it was quite funny, because when I went into work, so it's kind of a male-dominated environment. Mm. Um, and I went into work and there was some people that were so shocked. Uh, some of the men literally
0: cried. I was like, well you told them?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you say to them? How did you tell them? So I went in and I said, um, so my boss had, had told them, my boss had told them that, that I've got breast cancer and possibly I might not be coming back. So I went into work, um, not to work, but I just went in to see them. And um, some of the men were crying. I was like, and I said, what are you crying for? And, uh, you know, there was emotional. And then I said, don't cry. I'll be all right. It's not like I've lost my leg. Mm. I've got too many shoes to wear. <laughs> and you know, that just kind of, mm. I'm not a comedian, but that mm. kind of lightened it. And yeah. some of them just had to walk away because they were so upset. Yeah. And I think that that showed sometimes you don't know how much people think about you or care about you mm. until something
0: yeah. life-threatening
1: Happens. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
0: I received so many flowers, so yeah, much. Absolutely. And I was just like, wow, yeah. it was wonderful, really. And it makes you stop, right? Yes. So did you stop thinking about work then? Oh, yeah, I stopped, yeah. Started <laughs> thinking about yourself?
1: Yeah, and about um, recovering. Um, Yeah, and that was a journey. And another interesting thing was, mm. like, when I had to tell my children, I've got a son and a daughter. My son was mm. 10, I think. he no, was 11, just out in high school. And um, I said, um, well, I've got cancer. And uh, he said, and what are they going to do? So I said, they're going to take my left breast away. And um, they're going to I'm going to get reconstruction. So, mm. and he was like worried his face. And he said, you're just going to walk around with one booby. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, fortunately not. This is what reconstruction is. And I explained it to mm. him and he was fine after that. So my daughter was really supportive and everything came to my um, mm. appointments and and everything with me
0: so... I did. Quite so you opted well. for reconstruction and not an implant. Yeah. So reconstruction is from your stomach. That's generally where it comes from. Sometimes yeah. they might take it from your back yeah. if there's not enough stomach. Uh, I had enough in my stomach. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and you can either opt from that or you can opt for a implant. Mm. And I always say to people, Whatever you decide is the right decision for you. There's no right or wrong decision. I agree. This is your journey, your cancer journey. You do it your way, however you're going to get through it. But you opted for uh, a reconstruction rather than having an implant. Why was that?
1: Well, at the time, I heard that some people who had implants, um, they were faulty. Mm. And they had to have them removed. Mm. Um, And that's not only people that had breast cancer, it's like celebrities and and other people Mm. um, around that time. And that kind of stayed in the back of my mind. I was Mm. thinking, right, um, if I have an implant and something goes wrong, I'm going to have to start that journey again, Mm. in a way. Mm. So that will take me back at the fact that potentially I could have chosen to have an implant. Mm. And potentially that implant probably wouldn't last forever like mm. having the reconstruction and I, I liked the thought of having um my own tissues mm. you know um, and that made me feel more comfortable than having something um that my body could potentially reject mm. so that's why I decided on the um
0: reconstruction that's exactly what I thought too mm. I was like but I spoke to another woman a younger woman actually and she decided that she wanted to have an implant because she felt like her body had let her down mm-hmm. and so she didn't want to take more of her body and move it to somewhere else mm-hmm. so she thought no I'd have an implant instead but there's interest in why sort of women and you know and every five to ten years I think you do have to change them
2: mm-hmm.
0: anyway and things have got better than they were sort of ten years ago yeah the implants but yeah everybody's journey Mm. is uh is their own
2: yeah
0: and so I ate a lot of junk food when I am before my operation I convinced myself that I was having a tummy tuck (laughs) and that I could eat what I like because they'll take it all away it's definitely not (laughs) a tummy tuck and you know the surgeon said to me it's not a tummy tuck you know and don't but I think it was just my way of trying to make myself feel better um my credit I I like again I talk about it in the book where um I went to McDonald's I don't really eat McDonald's and my credit card got declined (laughs) (laughs) because I've never used it in McDonald's (laughs) so (laughs) so so you had your reconstruction how was that could you how long was your operation it might have been seven or more hours, seven yeah. or eight hours. Mine was 10 hours, right? Yeah, oh. and how were you afterwards? Couldn't move, mm.
1: I couldn't walk. Mm. I just about managed to get in and out of bed. It was wow, well, you
0: managed so, to get in and out of bed. That's amazing! Yeah, it was yeah. just,
1: I, I never expected it. And yeah. I, I just, they did say to me, you know, when after this operation, you're going to feel like you've been hit by a bus. Mm. Now, it's all right saying that, but I couldn't imagine, mm. you know, what they meant by using those words. But mm. when, after the surgery, I thought, I, I know exactly what you mean. I couldn't believe it. Right? I was in shock. I thought, oh, my
0: God. I couldn't believe I couldn't walk. Yeah. I was like, how can I not walk? Yeah, yeah. Couldn't go to the toilet. Yeah. It was like, there was no bodily function. Mm. And you
1: just can't imagine yeah. an operation. Could have that impact
0: mm. on on your body,
2: mm.
0: so but yes, um yeah, a lot of things when changed. I'm walking now, and this is also why I don't mind walking now, because I'm grateful for being able to walk because I remember when I couldn't walk, yeah, I remember when I couldn't get out of the bed, when it was just a shuffle, and it took it took me something like three months to be able to walk around the block, right. I can't remember how long it took me to walk,
1: it's I can't, but I suppose it didn't. I didn't. It didn't register because I had people around me, mm. so I didn't have to cook. My mum was there, mm. so I didn't have to do anything. So I think that I, I didn't realize how long it took me to recover mm. or to walk because everything was there, and I spent a lot of time upstairs. Mm. So. Um, so, yes, I couldn't really put a time scale on it, but I was grateful that my mum was there to help. And um, she cooked and, and, and did everything that, you know, I would usually do. But it's yeah. the impact on your
0: body is yeah. unreal. Ten years for you. It's yes, just like, it is. so I, you know, for me, it's just what a year and, and, and a bit. So wow. but it, the fact that the fact that, yeah, it, you still kind of do you remember what else do you remember from that time? It was just strange. Mm. It's strange coming home because,
1: you know, like you said, I couldn't walk, but I had to try and walk and get from, you know, get to the car and get get in the house and, and the stairs. I was like, I looked at the stairs and I thought, how am I going to walk up them stairs? Mm. I just couldn't even imagine it. But I had help. I was saying, like, just kind of put your hand in the small of my back and just kind of ease me so I could lift my legs to go up the stairs. But, you know, I do remember that bit. Mm. Um, Like I said, my mum was
0: there. um, So I didn't, yeah, yeah, and friends. And how was the healing of your wound? So I've got a scar from there to there how's your score so mine is from there to there
1: right. but that's the funny it's it's it, this experience is so funny because a friend of mine came to see me and we we're talking and she says is there anything that you desperately need and I went big knickers <laughs> I said, my knickers are just—it's just rubbing Ooh, my yeah. scar. Yeah. It's touching my scar,
0: and I said it—it's it, just unbearable. Did they glue it, or did you have stitches? Stitches. Oh, you had stitches. Yeah. Or oh, I had glue. So yeah. did they have to take the stitches out? Yeah. Oh my goodness! So you had to go back to the hospital to get the stitches taken out. Yeah. And from back, one side, from one hip to the other. Yeah. And, wow. and under my breasts. And under your breasts Yeah. As well. So. So they weren't yeah. dissolving stitches. No. No. and how was that when you had to it was really funny
1: because um when I when I because I I couldn't see it because m- my breast was had a dressing over it mm. and every time I went to the dressing clinic they were going oh it's beautiful this is beautiful <laughs> and I'm like what do you mean beautiful <laughs> and they were going the stitching and everything and they said because um There was a doctor and they said he was a perfectionist. And she said I was lucky to get him. And I said, you know what? I've been lucky to get everybody that I've got while I've been in the Mm -hmm. hospital. I Mm -hmm. said, I feel blessed that I've had them because some people don't have, have had not so nice experiences. experiences." So Mr. Fenn being a perfectionist was perfect for me, you know, because he talked me through it and he told me about having a scar and what have you. So, um, yeah, it was really good. It's really good. So.
0: And when you had to go to, um, like, your cancer nurse and they showed, like, lots of different pictures, mm. what was that like for you? Because cause basically you have to reimagine. So you're used to your body all of these years. Yeah. You get to the stage where you get to the age where you've fallen in love with your body, you're okay. You've yeah. come to terms with it. You like your boobs, you yeah. like your bum. Yeah. You know, and then you have to have an operation that's gonna change your body. How did you get around how did you get your head around that?
1: I I knew it was gonna change my body, but I wasn't sure how much until it actually changed. Mm. And I think the thing that bothered me was it didn't bother me much, but my brows didn't fit me anyway. And so I, I had one smaller boob than the other. And um when I went to the hospital for a visit, they said, right, we've booked you in um, for you to have a prosthesis to put in your bra. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I thought, right, okay, that'll help. One's bigger than the other. So I went down and this woman was there and she took out this prosthesis out of a box, put it in front of me. And um, I said, it's pink. And she said, oh, yeah, they're all pink. Mm -hmm. So I said, "Um, couldn't you, haven't you got any with a bit of colour? Mm. And she said, no, it was too expensive to make. And I was just a bit annoyed at that mm. and a a bit frustrated thinking, too expensive. Mm-hmm. It just didn't make any sense, but it was all right for me to have a, a pink boob.
0: Mm. That but, trauma of knowing that you've got a change, you know, there's a big change in your body mm. and you're expected to replace a missing part of your body yeah. with a colour that completely doesn't, doesn't match Doesn't even match, yeah, yeah,
1: mm. yeah. And also going back to when I did see the nurse mm. and she, like, she had all the pictures on the wall of people who have had breast cancer and it was all about um, where they were getting cut, what the wound looks like, what the healing looked like and everything. So I sat there looking and just looking pretty vacant, I think. Mm. And she said, you're all right, Isol? I said, well, none of them ladies up there look like me. And scarring on a black person is totally different to, to to what I'm looking at. So I just it doesn't make any sense. So I can't I can't see what I can see what you're showing me, but I can't see it as if it's me. Mm. So um, we kind of left it at that, um, and then she passed that on to the consultant. So my next visit to the consultant, they had some pictures of women, black women that has had breast cancer Mm. and how their scarring is and everything else. Unfortunately, I don't suffer from keloid scarring, Mm. but that can be, um, you know, that could be quite upsetting.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, so you've got this keloid scarring and you've never had it before, but it can be upsetting. Mm. So not being able to see yourself pictures that they've got to show you about how you're going to look after your operation. Doesn't help
0: you, yeah, you know. I mean it's it's such a vital point, right? because you're going through one of the most traumatic things you're going to go through. You've been told you've got breast cancer, your body's going to change. You've been given a pink prosthetic, you've been shown pictures of women that don't look like you, but yet still you have to get your head around the fact that you're going to have this operation. and I mean, I had a wonderful uh, breast cancer nurse, Amy, and she was showing me all of these pictures and she was just flicking through and flicking through. And I kept thinking, I hope she gets to a black woman soon. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I need to yeah, understand you do. Yeah. what I might do. So I was thinking, I hope, and just kept going for ages. And then I had to say, do you have any pictures of black women, please? So I can have a look. Because it's vital Mm. right because you just want to know how other women have gone through it and what it might look like to get your head around all of that is a big deal anyway so it was it's such a vital and i'm i'm pleased now that all hospitals should now be offering women of color uh prosthetics that match their skin tone
2: yeah
0: i mean it's it's I think it's quite ridiculous that, you know, it's such a big thing to celebrate. It's like, really, you didn't yeah. think that people want something that matches their skin yeah, color? Yeah. Um, uh, it's so vital, right, that we are that we have prosthetics yeah. that match our skin color, mm. especially when it's a vital yes. part of our body. Mm, and you want to kind of live life with as much as possible. Mm. Um, without worrying too much yeah. um, about it. But I am really pleased that now all hospitals, and for anybody who's listening, if their hospital doesn't offer them uh, a prosthetic that matches their skin tone, mm. they can absolutely request one. And it's something that has now gone out to all hospitals. So I'm really pleased oh, about that. It just sounds pleased. I'm pleased just to hear that, yeah. you know, that it's out there because I know it wasn't out there for me. Uh so but yes. Something's happened in ten years that has changed that, yes. which is good. good. And I think it's to be honest, I also think it's people speaking out, like yes. women like you speaking out and saying, Well, this is my experience, my lived experience, this is what I went through, and this yes. is how to make my cancer journey better. I mean, is that part of the reason why you started beyond cancer? Yes. So I'd had my operation
1: and everything else and Prior to that, I didn't know anything about cancer because in the black community, it's not something that's talked about. So, if It's not, a little bit of a taboo,
0: isn't Yeah,
1: it? if it's talked about in, um, you know, some families might talk about it, but, you know, it was nothing that ever came up in my family or friends or anything. We didn't have that discussion. And so after me having going through what I've gone through, I thought, wow, if I didn't know anything, mm. how many women out there? Have no idea and they don't know. Mm. And it was that that um, made me think, right, we need to mm. make them aware. So, Pat Case was also one of the founders of Beyond Cancer and she got diagnosed through having a mammogram. And was that after you? Yeah, just after mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. um, she was doing her routine, went for her routine mammogram. Mm-hmm. So, we got together. Um, and we had a conversation and we were saying you know this is what I think there's people out there that doesn't know anything about cancer Mm. and you know to then suddenly get a diagnosis Mm. what do you do where do you go you Mm. know it's quite a shock so we did say we had a conversation and we thought oh well we need to do something but we started off with thought of um you know got a few more people to come and join us we thought about the names and stuff and then we just came up with um Beyond cancer. And then the first event that we had, we had a ball at the Hilton Hotel and the tickets were sold out. Wow. The place was absolutely mm. full of people mm. wanting to come and wanting to find out and mm. find out at an event where they're enjoying themselves as well. And then we we choose our speakers. It was just absolutely amazing the feeling that we've had cancer on the back of something negative <laughs> on our recovery. We've put this charity together. Mm-hmm. We've had an event that mm-hmm. was just, like I said, amazing. It just blew us away. Mm-hmm. We didn't really expect so many people, but they Shows were there.
0: was a need.
1: Yes. Um, and so that's where we started. We have a ball. We used to have a ball every year in May. It's always mm-hmm. in May because... Um, I got diagnosed in May and she got diagnosed in May. So we nice. just kind of did it. And May was a, a good time as well. And mm-hmm. um, so we have a ball every year. However, when we um leading up to COVID, we haven't, we've only had one ball, which was this year. Mm-hmm. After coming out of COVID, we've managed to have a we managed to have a ball this year in May. And that was well attended and, and went down really well. And people um, are asking when's your next
0: one and mm-hmm. are you going to, have I'd have to come one. to your next one invite me I will. <laughs> absolutely
1: first on the list <laughs> and then um also what we do we have um september october we have um we, we was at saint um agent's church and we had the celebration of life mm. so we put it out there it's not we don't advertise it that much but people come so it's about um, we've got a tree of life, the trees that light up. And then as people come in, we give them a body or a hat, you know, a mm-hmm. cardboard shape, and they write the names of the loved one that's oh, passed. Wow. Now, it's, it's, it is cancer because it's part of Beyond Cancer, but mm-hmm. it's not just about people who they've lost, lost to cancer, it's people mm-hmm. who they've lost. And that is another um, event that is well attended.
0: Um, you know, we do really, we do really well. It's very difficult, right? When I talked to Leanne, who runs Black Women Rising, she said that working with all these kind of amazing women and then sometimes they die and she had, you know, she had a breakdown at one stage because it was just too much. I mean, number one, it's triggering, right? Mm-hmm. When you hear about somebody who's got breast cancer or other cancers, it is triggering, mm-hmm. it brings back memories but to actually kind of dedicate your, a bit of your life and your spare time to working with people with cancer, how do you cope with that? It, I suppose you have
1: to. I have to because I know that I've had my journey, but I want to help this person mm-hmm. who might not um, have a lot of support.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, sometimes they don't want anybody else to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I'm helping, and we're supporting
2: because
1: mm. there's five of us in the board and we all have people that contact us to say somebody's got cancer and stuff and then we have a, you know, we, we look at it, when we have a meeting, we look at, we find out, you know, we send a message out, do they need anything? If there's any support, mm. you know, we're available um, and we do the best that we can do to support them. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just something we
0: do. Do you think that, we are breaking down or overcoming some of the taboos that exist in the community. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Because I think it was about a month ago, an Asian lady contacted us mm. saying that she's got um, breast cancer mm. and she's going through treatment and stuff. So she'll ring me or I'll, if she pops into my mind, I think, oh, let me give her a ring and see how she's doing. And I think we all do that in our own way. And we've had men as well. Mm. Um, You know, we've had a couple of men that have come who've had prostate cancer. And that's been um,
0: kind of eye-opening as well. Yeah. Because actually prostate cancer now is just a blood test. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like we need to kind of spread that message out to men to say, look, it's just a blood test. Mm.
1: And we do encourage that, you know, when we have our ball, we've always encouraged men, you know, to go and get tested. Mm. And we had one guy, I think he came to our second ball, and he, when we were talking about, you know, it's not just about women, it's about men too, and he was not having it, he just Mm. wasn't having it. The following year when we had the ball, he didn't come and... He had prostate cancer. Oh, wow. So I think even if we plant that tiny seed, Mm. by planting small seeds, you hope to see it grow. But if it's not there, if there's no seed planted, they're not going to always think about it. And then there was another woman. She was on her husband and she kept telling him and kept telling him and everything until, you know, he eventually went. And he got, he found out that he had prostate cancer.
0: But I think it's fear. Fear of what might happen rather than just go, peace of mind. Yes. Get it done. Tell me about you now and how you feel about you, your body, what is it like, Isola, living in Isola's body, mm-hmm. uh, beyond cancer body? What is it like?
1: <laughs> Some people worry about the cancer coming back, but I don't. I don't worry about it. I just have to live in the moment, and if it happens, I know more now than I did then. Mm-hmm. So I think that. Are you on any tablets? No, okay. no, no. Because uh, yours is just a year ago. You used yeah. to be on for five years, yeah. weren't you? And I. I um, very much into positive thinking, and currently, I told you that I was in 2020, and um, when I was came home and recovering, I've knitted for 45 years. Oh, I, really? I've knitted, for, can you crochet as well? Oh, this is the story. Oh, <laughs> so um, whilst I was resting in bed, I was crushed. I was knitting um, dishcloths, but I was just flying through them because I knit pretty quickly. And I watched TV, and I thought, oh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn to crochet. Anyway, I've learnt to crochet. It's the most therapeutic thing <laughs> that I've done in a long time. Yeah. Um, I make bags. I've yeah. sold them. Oh, wow. I've made some amazing. Where do you sell them? So I've done uh, um, I've done three stalls. Oh. Um, the first stall was very nerve-wracking. Mm. So I had to bring my friend with me because I was thinking, it's like putting myself out mm. there mm. and then, I felt that potentially there could be some criticism, and and I just felt I just didn't, I just Mm. needed that edge. So, my friend came, he was doing, we were doing well. Once she started it, I was Mm. like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I've done two more, you know, by myself, and and it's been lovely. And, you know, the people we meet and conversations and stuff like that. So, it kind of opened another door for me, but it's more for me, the therapeutic side, Mm. where I can just sit and relax and just do my crochet. I brought it on the train with me. I don't go anywhere without my crochet hook. I'm currently not working at the moment because um, I was ill in 2020
2: Mm.
1: and um, physically I wasn't able to go back to work. I didn't physically have the energy to be back at work. So I'm off work Mm. right now, but hoping to go back to work in January. Mm. So I've got plenty of time um, to do whatever I want
0: want to to do. do. Tell me something different from before cancer Mm -hmm. that you did or you know or advice that you'll give? Like before, so Isola before cancer and then beyond cancer, so after cancer. So is there one thing you've learned or would advise people?
1: Like I said, before cancer, I didn't know anything about cancer. Nothing Mm -hmm. at all. Anything, just those little lumps and, Mm -hmm. and... yeah. So after cancer and beyond cancer, I'm more aware of people. I'll encourage them, you know, the best way I can. I remember I was at um, church and this woman said that she um, had to go for a smear test. And she said, but I'm not going. And I said, why? And she said, "Um, because I'm not sexually active. And I said having a smear has got nothing to do with that, Mm. you know. And I said to her, the reason why you go for smears, potentially you could have cancer.
2: Mm.
1: And if you go for your smears and they detect it there and catch it early,
2: Mm.
1: it's a positive. But if you're not going, you're not going for the wrong reason.
2: Mm.
1: And I found that at church, there was quite a lot of women that thought like that, Mm. which I was quite shocked at because they're not sexually active they don't want to go for the smear. Mm. But I have got people that have come back and they said, and I went. <laughs> and I said, I'm so glad. So I always encourage people to go for their mammograms when they get um, the letter through the post to go. Mm. And we encourage people if you feel any pain whatsoever or mm. anything, a lump or a pain, anything, it's better to go and them say it's nothing, than right. not to go at that's all. Right. And then one woman came back, she went, oh, well, they said I've got lumpy boobs <laughs> and went, there's nothing there. I said, well, that's a plus, but at least, you know, if you've got lumpy boobs and you've gone and there's nothing there, then it puts your mind at And rest. also they
0: know for next time because yes. they will keep your records yeah. and then if they do another squashy gram, mm. you know, they'll have something to compare yes. it against. Yeah. So it's, it's never wasted. Yeah. Yeah did you lose any friends along the way did you dump some friends
1: uh, some i just had a different journey it was just the way my journey was so i was brought up in church mm. and um went periodically and in 20 uh 20 i just had this urge that i just needed to go back to where I needed to be and that was in church so I started to go back to church so,
0: so this was you before know, you were before diagnosed. I was diagnosed
1: but so I then went back to church and um I remember going back to church and I didn't go out I went to church and everything but in hindsight when I look at it because I was out partying me I'd be partying every <laughs> weekend I'd be out um enjoying life and everything at work they kept saying, we're worried about you because you're out every weekend. I said, oh, I'm enjoying life. And, you know, that's how I was enjoying my life. Mm-hmm. So I'd gone back to church in um, 2009 mm-hmm. and then I got diagnosed in 2010. So in my mind, um, I was thinking I needed to make that transition mm-hmm. to calm down and be prepared for what was about to come. Mm-hmm. So that's how I I see it. Because if I was out partying and mm-hmm. and everything, my body would be tired as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that I was in a, Um, good frame of mind you know and i do feel comfortable at church Mm. and like i said that was part of my upbringing you had to go every sunday Mm, we went every sunday yeah every sunday and sunday school and Mm. summer school you just Mm. had to go so um you know that's where i i went back to what i know so then when i got diagnosed you know the friends that i used to party with they all came to see me and stuff but i just had some time out not partying like i partied yeah. and i just needed my body to rest because i don't think we realize how much going out and partying has an effect on
0: mm. your body i agree i mean there's a there's a one of the chapters of my book is a the body needs a rest yes and that is about my cancer journey thank you so much for joining me do you love your body That's
1: absolutely amazing. i went on holiday last year I was 60 last year so I went on holiday I put a bikini on I thought you know what I'm putting this bikini on and I've got a scar down there yeah. but I thought Do you know what I'm putting it on and Good. and I did and I think that was a massive step for me because you know I have got a scar down the center of my stomach I've got my scars and um, your scars remind you of where you've been mm. and where you've come from mm. and I thought right I'm putting this bikini on and went put the bikini on and, and I felt
0: amazing well, well done you yeah, yeah. brilliant and I understand completely about the scars um I did a speech and I was quoting the words from this is me from the greatest showman mm. and I love that song I think it's so yes. empowering yes. but it's like I'm not ashamed of all my scars mm. and I think as you say it's who we are and being proud of our bodies yes is something that we can all do with a bit more of. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, So, it's been an absolute joy talking to you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me, and I've absolutely enjoyed it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to Mammograms and Me. The podcast hosted by me, Dawn Butler, with metro.co.uk. Please do leave us a rating and a review on Apple. And don't forget to sign up for hashtag FindTheMillion. Tell five friends about this podcast and keep listening. Every week we will have a new episode. Keep sharing the information that you learned today. Let me know if there's anything else that you want me to cover. This podcast was produced by Pineapple Audio Production. Thanks again for listening and see you again next week.